welcome to the Bearded and Nerdy Podcast, your home for news and reviews for some of the biggest events in superhero culture. We're talking movies, TV shows, comics, conventions, you name it, I got it. I am your host, Michael Georgie, and today is a very special version of the Bearded and Nerdy Podcast because it's the first completely remote podcast. It is the first time we are... Uh, communicating uh, completely and totally via computer and not in the same room. Uh, we are using Zoom, and I am super excited to introduce uh, our special guest for today's podcast. That is my man, Tyler Castro. Tyler, say hi to the people. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me on today. Oh my gosh, no problem, my man. So I'm super excited to have Tyler around simply because um, he's a good friend of mine. And today we are going to be doing what Tyler and I always do when we get together and talk, which is discuss anime, possibly too much. That's all this is about. Get ready. (laughs) It's all anime. So here's, so, here, so here's how we do it. Before I introduce our topic, we always go ahead and introduce like our segments. We typically have two segments. The first one being, what have you been into this week? And the second one is our superhero news for the first, uh, first things first. Let's go ahead and discuss what we've been into this week. So for me, we, um, I've been completely and totally quarantined. The biggest reason for this being a digital and remote uh, podcast is because uh, we're all quarantined due to a good old COVID-19 global pandemic. It is still in full stride. And so we got to try to stay safe. And also Tyler and I are two different cities. So me being quarantined is requiring uh, me to kind of stay, stay busy and uh, stay on top of stuff. And I have been digging into some uh, some comic books this week. Um, I have read. I've finally finished um, God Bomb, which is the second volume of the Thor God Butcher series. Finished uh, all of New Fifty Two Aquaman, and I just wrapped up uh, Long Halloween, the uh, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale uh, Batman comic. Jesus Christ! It's been years since I've read it, and I was much younger. What a ride. That is such a great Batman read. So that was an absolute blast. You know, I think that's the one comic I have, I have yet to read, but I know I really want to uh, get into is yeah. the, new, the New 52 ones. Yeah, the New 52 comics are really, really interesting. Definitely mixed. It depends on who's writing what. Um, but I will say that the Aquaman New 52 run was possibly the best version of the of the Aquaman origin. You know, your typical, uh, is he the king of Atlantis? Is he not? You know, um, there's been a lot of versions of the Aquaman origin since, like, 2011. And I think that's the best one. I'll definitely give it a read. Uh, we got some good comic shops around me, so once this whole quarantine is over with, I'd be really excited to pop back in and start getting some more comics out of the way. Absolutely. I, uh, and also, I mean, again, if you've got the, if you've got the, uh, the income right now, I highly recommend DC Universe. That's how I've been reading a lot of it. Um, they, in addition to having, you know, um, DC Universe isn't paying me, by the way, but perhaps they should. Um, they, in addition to having just like all the DC animated stuff and like the comic books, they've got um, they've got like stuff that we grew up on. So like Teen Titans is available on it, and yes. of course, um, just like loads and loads of of DC comic books going back to like the origins of some of these characters. I tried to find Killing Joke, the Batman story on there, but I can't find it. But they do have like Hush and Long Halloween. So you're going to get some good stuff there. So obviously, yeah, a lot of comic books. But Tyler, what have you been into this week? So my uh, what I've been doing recently is playing the uh, new Jedi Order game. On- oh, yes! You know, I finally have the time to sit down and mm-hmm. truly take it in as as what it should be the proper way. Uh, I'm loving it. It's so good so far. Yeah, uh, I I've, hear nothing but great things about it. You know, it, it's it's just a good feel. Like it feels good when you're running around, and there's a lot of platforming, which I I'm a, I'm a huge platform fanatic. But then you also get the added benefit of being a Jedi, which is just mm-hmm. a nice. Nice thing to play around with always whenever you have a lightsaber in your hand, you know, it's just that much more fun. 
Yeah, it's like it's taking it back to uh, to what was it like OG Battlefront, uh, Battlefront oh, games, right? But yes. yeah, you're running around as a stormtrooper, but the second you get that lightsaber, when you're killing enough people to get to unlock like Obi Wan or Yoda, it's over. It's locked. you feel good at that point. Yeah, I've been really interested in playing that game. So um, I, I'll is it? I'm it's on sale right now on the PlayStation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um another thing that I, I guess I could bring up now that we're talking about PlayStation is I play I've been playing that Insomniac Spider-Man game. Ooh, how is that? I it's the first video game I've purchased in like eight years myself. <laughs> <laughs> like because you know, I mean, between like my brother had the console and now he's off at basic training, so I took it. And um then this happened, quarantine happened, and so don't I, I can't speak from like the, the uh, perspective of somebody that plays a lot of video games, but I can tell you that I think that the playability, like the actual gameplay is phenomenal. I'm not done, so I can't speak much of the story, but what I can say is that so far they've introduced villains in a really cool and creative way. Um, story-wise, I like this version of Peter Parker. Like he's, we're playing Peter Parker as he's already been Spider-Man for like 10 years. So, okay, so there is no uh, learning how to do all this. Yeah, yeah, you, they drop you right into it. And the gameplay is phenomenal. Playing as Spider-Man is such, like, a beautiful experience. Like, the web-slinging. They've captured what I think, like, the elegance that you get out of uh, playing Spider-Man. The, the acrobatics of it are very, very in tune. And it's, like, an addicting play. Because, you know, the game is really, really good at, I would say, calibrating Spider-Man's movements depending on what's happening around him. But you feel like you're the one doing that. So it's such a fun play. Like, everything... It, it, it Almost like it plays like a comic book or a movie. It's Nothing feels uh, clunky or weird. It's just... an uh, I, It's addicting playing as Spider-Man, for sure. He's just one of those characters that you just... Everyone loves him. Like, even every iteration, like, you're just going to have a fun time with them. Perhaps the greatest comic book character of all time. I've been, um, I've been uh, uh, passing back and forth the idea, you know, who is the greatest comic book character of all time. I'm torn between Spider-Man and Superman. Um, but I feel like maybe they are both the greatest characters of all time in two different ways. Yeah, I think they both add something to the comic book uh, world that it's different. Everyone has a mutual respect for them and they love them obviously but it's a different kind of love Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's like spider-man is the is the person is is who we are we are all spider-man we are all peter parker but we all want to be superman you know yeah so there's like two things there all right so it looks like we've uh so we've gotten through what we've been into this week comic books video games whole nine that's a super super fun um so as far as our superhero news goes, since the world's been kind of at a standstill, there hasn't been a lot. We, we've gotten a, we, as I mentioned in the last podcast, Black Widow had been pushed back, and now we do have a date to November 6th. I think I mentioned that last time. And as far as what we've, news we've gotten, because we're all supposed to stay indoors, it, nothing has really um, cropped up in the superhero world. Um, Tom Holland did kick off this viral internet challenge in which he challenged Jake Gyllenhaal and Ryan Reynolds to do, to like, do a handstand on the wall and attempt to put a shirt on while doing that. And I've been seeing a lot of my friends do it. I ha- myself have not attempted that, but um, it looks challenging. I, I couldn't even imagine the kind, the kind of strength you would need to not only just sustain a handstand for that long, but put on a t-shirt. Like, that's so, that's so much. Yeah, I know a lot of friends that have done it. Um, it just looks needlessly stressful. I don't need that kind of stress in my life right now. <laughs> too much already. Yeah, already. Tyler, by the way, if you guys want to know what stress feels like, my man Tyler. Tyler, why don't you tell everybody where you work? Oh, so I work for a little company called Public Supermarkets, and I my store is located in the heart of uh, uh, Main Street. If you live in the Tampa Tampa Bay area, it's Dale it's uh, Dale Mabry. So, right next to a high school, right next to a middle school, all these families are coming in, and uh, every week it is a new. It's almost like going to war. you put on your mask you get yourself geared up and you're like all right all right let's do this we can do this 
Remember, Tyler, the ones that stay smiling are the ones who are the strongest. I have a mask for that now. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no. So uh, PSA, everybody, be nice to your supermarket employees. Be uh, nice to your frontline workers. They are the reason we're all staying fed right now. And they could really appreciate the support. When you're getting out of the checkout line, please just tell them that they're doing a great job because they are. I have never had a bad experience at Publix. And I've been to Publix, I think, twice now during the quarantine. And I always feel like it's nice and stocked up. I always feel like it's clean and that the, uh, the, the workers are doing the best to make sure that we're all safe and healthy. So everybody, next time you go to the grocery store, of course, for something that's purely essential, um, make sure that you're nice to your, to your, your employees. They really, they really deserve it. So... Why don't we get into this? Let's, just, let's, let's announce that topic. So today, obviously, if you are listening to this, you can see the title of the podcast, depending on whether or not you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Whole9. Um, we're going to be discussing My Hero Academia Season 4. Now, I've discussed this show in the past. That was the last podcast I did before the, in, in the first season, or maybe it was the second to last, because I think the last one was the Joker one. Um, this show has taken the world by storm. Tyler, why don't you tell everybody how you discovered this show and like what your opinions are of it? What do you think about this show? Do you think it's really truly having the cultural impact that everybody says that it is? So uh, the way I discovered this show, I was going off to college. little backstory, I, I played football in Massachusetts for uh, my first semester, then came home. And I had always been very interested in anime, and I figured this is the time to jump into it head on since I wasn't going to have anybody to really talk to or anything. So I dove head first in, and I had always seen, you know, this little show, My Hero Academia, on, you know, the, the Funimation page and the Crunchyroll page, and I always thought, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I started watching the main ones. You know, obviously you had your, your uh, Naruto One Piece fairy tale dragon ball z which i'd I'd already watched two of those four multiple times so that wasn't hard to do uh but once i finished them that's when i really started dwelling in all these little ones and i was like "Ah, man it just keeps popping up in my feed i was like all right i'll try it and i start first episode for everybody who's out there i watch both subbed and dubbed okay so i don't need the sub army coming after me uh i do respect both because it's a true talent but I, I think that this show, it hits the same notes as your Dragon Ball Zs and your uh, Naruto's did. You know, everybody loves it. Your fandom is hard for it. Like, they want everybody to do well. And you're not really seeing, I mean, I don't know about you, but as far as negativity from the show, I haven't seen very much about it. No, uh, this show has definitely taken the world by storm. Uh, The thing about anime is that while it is a huge worldwide phenomenon, um, it's typically the bigger shows that get, you know, that get the the spotlight. It's your Naruto's and your One Piece and your Dragon Ball. Um, And it's very rare that you see a new show take the world by storm the way this one has. All of a sudden, everything was My Hero Academia. My friends that weren't wa- that don't watch anime are watching My Hero Academia. You know, it is a truly, truly, I think, a phenomenal show and a show that was designed to get Western audiences interested. You know, it watches like it's it's it watches like a really good shonen anime. It watches like a Naruto. It watches like a Dragon Ball. You know, um, it's uh, oh my god, so well done. So. It felt almost like an overnight sensation to me. Oh my god, yeah, like so fast. I remember going to MegaCon in 2017. I think that was my first Mega. And I remember telling my buddy Brad, I said, okay, next year, all these people are going to be wearing My Hero Academia cosplays. And sure enough, sure enough, next year, World by Storm, My Hero Academia cosplays absolutely everywhere. Um it yeah, it just it blew up so so fast, you know. And we've got shows like Demon Slayer that are right on its tails now. You know, I think it's popularizing the genre again, at least amongst mainstream audiences. I think everybody wants to see that genre have a resurgence. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's nice to see, in my opinion, it's nice to see a really smart 
main character. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, typically you're shown in main characters are the brutish, destructive meatheads. At least in my opinion, that's what they tend to be. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You have to have people, or in anime, or especially anime is like group comedy, in that you have to have a good cast of characters for, to push the protagonist along. And um, again, like with shows like Naruto and Dragon Ball, like Goku and Naruto are absolute idiots. You know, <laughs> <They're>, yeah, <laughs> they are not people that I myself would actually want to hang around. You know, Goku would eat all my food and Naruto would continue to be a dipshit. Um, so it, it requires a colorful cast of characters and uh, to really push this, prog- this show along. What's interesting is that Deku, despite, I think, like in its earlier seasons, him being a touch, I guess people would say he was whiny. He was likable. You know, we like Deku from the beginning. And this is obviously his story um, becoming the number one hero. And we saw a lot of that in this season. Our man Deku made a major jump in this season. Boy, did he. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's talk about that. So overall thoughts. My Hero Academia, season four. Um, uh, Tyler, what do you think? Do you, do you like it? Do you hate it? Oh, I loved this season. I mean, it touched on every note that I wanted it to. I, the anticipation was respectably high. Mm-hmm. I think everybody felt it, you know, what it said will be coming back. And it was like, what, almost a year? Yeah. And I, I think everybody was just waiting so hard. And I think it delivered. Oh, for sure. That first arc really, I mean, like, from the They had get-go. to do it. Mm-hmm. Every single thing. I was surprised at how well, like, because that's, I guess, one 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 misstep and i think it's something that uh anime has a tendency to do sometimes is that it's a little long-winded but this show paces itself very well something happens every episode that pushes the plot along that leaves you satisfied but obviously wanting more and this show did that in spades you know i think it helps that you do have this colorful cast of superheroes in training and superheroes where you know, the concept of quirks and super and superpowers are so easy to play with that plot developments can come out of anywhere. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You, know, you saw that with Red Riot this season. I mean, yes. he had one of the best character arcs, I think, out of this entire show. Maybe yeah. behind Todoroki, Bakugo, and Midoriya themselves. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And that was really, really excellent. When you have so many characters, yeah, you get to spin off and you get to see how each of these characters progressed. I think it was really nice to see... Um, us put like Bakugo and Todoroki kind of on hold, you know, obviously Todoroki and Bakugo made massive strides in these last couple seasons. What with Todoroki unlocking his other side and Bakugo finally coming to the terms with the fact that he respects Deku and truly their his and Deku's missions are the same, you know, us getting that redemption for Bakugo and us truly learning about who Todoroki is it was nice that we kind of got them to a good stopping point to where we could focus on um, the characters such as uh, such as uh, Lamillion and Kirishima and obviously Deku. Um, it was just really nice to focus on some some new faces. Yeah, you know, and even Deku didn't even have that much, I guess, progression compared to the last seasons. It was more of him understanding Understanding the past, uh, like what everybody else is doing, versus him having his own revelations, mm-hmm. which is not. It's a refreshing, like you said. It was just good to see everybody else get flushed out. Yeah, for sure. I think from a, I, I'm gonna go out and, um, I think I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come out and say it. Like I think that this was perhaps storytelling wise the best season, the most concise season. You know. Oh, I can I can full on agree with that. Yeah, I think that like they fought like my hero kind of hit their stride and they understood, okay, this is exactly how this is supposed to be. This is exactly how the progression we want to take. It's no longer I, I don't want to say it was ever aimless, but I feel like there was a nice little bow on this season. Yeah, I think it was less world building mm-hmm. and now it's all right. Everybody understands. We have our legs under us. We're, we're going to start running now. Yes, exactly that. So we had, I, com- yeah, I completely agree. So 
that being said, we uh, what are some touch on some things that you did like about the season? We've been doing that a little bit, but like, do you have anything in specific, like in mind? Um, yeah, you know what? I think two of my favorite things overall, which you know, if this isn't your favorite, perfectly fine. Just like you know, these are some of my favorite where the singles fight where Lamillion just straight up bodied uh, Chisaki and his right-hand man. Oh, like, my gosh. Lemillion. If you're ever going to paint a picture for the future number one hero, and no offense to Deku, but really Lamillion took over that, that role hard. Yeah, I think that was really, really great is that in the earliest, in the earliest, um, in like the, the, the tail end of the last season, we were learning who Lamillion was. And to see, like, I feel as if we like, we went through a perfect character arc in this season for him. We were introduced to him last season, and we were kind of curious about him. Obviously, he was a little goofy. We weren't quite sure what he was about, but we knew he was strong. And then we kind of learned that this guy is the real deal. You know, he truly is deserving of being the number one hero. And now we have to realize, well, it's not Nulamillion. Why Deku? You know? And you know it, you know at the beginning of season one and two, where you know they had the intro where Deku would say, "This is the story about how I became the number one hero." Now it gets put in the back of your head. Okay, well, are you the number one hero because you, like, Lamillion isn't here? Is that the reason? Mm-hmm. Yeah, truly, truly. Uh, again, like I think a lot of really great characters got their due. I think that was probably one of my favorite things about this season is that uh, so many characters that we've kind of glossed over in the past were really given like some excellent spotlights and characters we didn't expect. You know, we didn't expect, I think, Kirishima to get as much love as he got this season. And the Kirishima episodes were some of my favorites this season. Oh yeah, and you wanna know what my other favorite moment was? Uh, the the the, pre- the what's it called school festival where they finally did their performance and oh Jiro Jiro got to rock out like like the punk rocker she is, and you got to see Aerie smile, which melts everybody's hearts. Aerie's Bro, I cried. Protected. I cried. <laughs> I you know, Papa Lamillion is here. Yeah, exactly. I was like, Jesus Christ, dude. So, yeah. So like. A bunch of characters got their due. A lot, there was a lot of really great closure. So let's go ahead. Let's talk about each of these arcs here. There were, I, w- I can argue, I can, I believe, splice our season up into three parts. Obviously not equal because one was, some are longer than the other. Some have more weight than the other. But I think there's three components to our season. Our first one is the Shisaki arc, right? When we're rescuing Eri. Yeah. The second one being the student festival, and then the third one being uh, Endeavor's debut. Yeah, I think, I think that is a fair assessment for the three arcs. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So arc number one, right? Uh, we'll call you know it's called you know it's our airy rescue mission. It's our it's our first thing that they that they give it that they give to us. You know, we're introduced to a really excellent villain overhaul um who is like he is somewhat he's like an organized crime leader he's like he's like the leader of a crime circle and what his intro was great yeah what an interesting route to go because i feel as if right when we were introduced with the league of supervillains very very classic superhero very legion of doom you know very sinister six um, they've all got superpowers, and these are and all the episodes with the League of Villains was very explosive and colorful and very very comic book, you know, um, very bombastic. But Overhaul's a little different. He, I think that Overhaul's role in this show did a really great job of explaining the way superheroes operate in this world. It's not just big flashy comic book stuff. It's like we're getting into organized crime now. We're getting into science now. And we're getting into a much bigger picture and perspectives as to why people think that perhaps the superhero, uh, the organized superhero situation is not as ideal as characters like All Might and Nezu and Aizawa make it seem. Yeah, you know what? Um, Chizuki, in my opinion, is... I, I, I relate him to like the opposite of what stain is to where stain wanted to completely rip down this uh 
comic book society. Chizuki wanted to profit off of it by, you know, like you said, scientifically engineering these bullets that would erase quirks, and then he would sell the police the reverse of that ability. So now he has the monopoly. He controls everybody. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that was such a smart route to go because again, it shows a different side of the society, and what and and to a degree, you wonder if that itself is truly evil. But then you realize the means through which Chisaki was able to create these bullets. And then you realize, oh, yeah, this guy's bad news. Yeah, that, that was evil. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, if you've seen the show, then you understand Chisaki was making these bullets through the quirk of a little girl named Eri. And I think what was really, really great about it is when we begin to question whether or not, like, because Stain brought up good points. You know, like we didn't complete. Obviously, Stain was like bad because he killed people we liked, but Stain brought up good points. You know, like perhaps this organized set, this this hierarchy of superhero dumb is all smoke and mirrors. But then when the whole crew goes out to save Ari, you realize, oh yeah, no, their hearts are in the right place. It, it reaffirms your your whole belief in that superhero society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so on our on our team here, we've got um, on our team uh, in that first arc. Who'd we got? We had um, Lemillion, Deku, uh, Kirishima, Fat Gum, Sue, Sue. Ah, oh, Sue. Love Sue. That's okay. Small complaint. Sue did, or, and Oshako did not get as much action as I would like for them to have gotten. Yeah, I think they could have actually shown a bit more of their fight. Um, yeah. Maybe, because they have so much to offer as characters, you know, especially Sue. Her frog quirk is so unique and so special. You could do almost anything with a frog quirk. I feel as if like the show kind of glosses over Sue a lot. Um, it's like, almost like she's there as a foil or a moral compass sometimes. I have never disagreed with Sue. Ever. Everything no. she has said has been... she like, And that's the thing. She's always right. She's probably amongst the smartest members of Class 1A. And clearly, you know, she is talented enough to be able to, you know, be a sidekick. You know? and work. She'll be a top 10 hero easily oh, oh for sure and so i'm looking forward to her getting a little bit more action um and oshako of course you know she was very much so the underdog um in the last couple seasons but she got she also got thrown into being a sidekick as well and started working um with an agency which Gun is great head martial arts yep and it shows it shows that we are going to begin making use of these characters, you know, because they're unlikely choices because they're not Deku, Todoroki, or Bakugo. Yeah, I, I really like how this show decides to just highlight so many different people where you're forced to care about so many characters. I'm telling you, it's like Naruto for me all over again, you know? Even like, if you halfway don't even pay attention, the next time you see that character, you're like, oh, I remember you. Yeah, and you, you love had that this person. power. <laughs> Even Naval Laser got some love in this season. Yeah, he did. He <laughs> yeah. had a small little character thing. Yeah. It, yeah, it was weird. Um, but it was good. It was effective. It worked. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. So, with this, we possibly got, I think, what may be the biggest leap in, uh, not, not, I wouldn't say character development, but in the development of Deku and his powers in this arc and they did it in an interesting way because obviously Deku is unable to access all of his abilities and now we can finally see what that looks like when he does oh dude and what that was such a beautiful fight like he went super saiyan it was incredible (laughs) he went psychopath yeah it was so wild. I loved the art. I loved the animation. And I loved just that that it shows that they're, 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 that Deku, I think, is, is destined to be the number one hero. Because Lemillion has his, obviously, he has that iron will. He was crawling across, you know, the floor trying to save Aerie. 
And, but he was ultimately unsuccessful. And as unfortunate as it is, he definitely did a great job, but he wasn't able to seal the deal. Deku was able to do that. And to me, that showed the sense of prophecy. You know, yes, it requires a ridiculous amount of willpower and physical strength, but Lamillion gave it all he had. And so did Deku, and one of them came out and came much closer to their end goal. So it kind of shows that there's a sense of prophecy with Deku, that he is chosen to be this way. Yeah, you know, from the very beginning, uh, this show has done such a good job of portraying Deku. Uh, actually, I don't know if you would call this a good job, but they've done a very accurate job of, of portraying how badly Deku wants to be the number one hero. He's willing to break his body down as many times as it takes until he gets that spot. Even if he doesn't think he fully deserves it, he wants it. Mm-hmm. And I think that drive is portrayed in that final fight where, you know, God, you know what? That's the scene that comes to mind is when Chizuki is looking up at the sky for the last time and all of a sudden Deku just appears, his shadows over his face, and all of a sudden you just see his eyes. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're yeah. going to die. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Well, that was the thing. I think that was the moment where you learn, right? So when, when Deku is meeting Night Eye um, for the first time, Night Eye was saying, well, why not Lemillion? Clearly, he's stronger than you. And clearly, you know, he's working with me. And the only other person that's done that is All Might. Um, so why you? And then we were also beginning to question, yeah, why Deku? Lemillion's the man. We love Miria. Like, and then we see why. Oh, yes. You know, it's, be- it's, it's, be- it's because it's Deku is Deku. And we believe that. We're like, we don't... De- it, it feels like we don't get plot armored as much with Deku. I feel like there's a really natural progression, whereas in Naruto, like Naruto's got ultimate plot armor. With uh, the Ninetales? Yeah, like there's nothing that can beat him. And, you know, despite Naruto, Naruto could have died billions of times, but for some reason, Deku, it just seems natural. You know, it seems like, yeah, it doesn't feel like plot armor. It seems like that's just the nature of the character to just be as good as he is. Well, you know, I think it helps that they've shown Deku to have such a a high intellect for this, that Mm -hmm. whenever it is those moments where maybe a normal hero would have died, Deku can recall, hey, you know what? In a previous fight, this is what a hero did. Just do that. Yeah, you're right. That's exactly it. So, yeah, so we're getting through that, and obviously we are introduced, and this this arc introduced to us a slew of new characters, right? So we fully get introduced to, to Lemillion. We get, uh, we get his crew, right, um, which is Sun Eater, and who's the other one? Oh, goodness, she didn't get enough love either. She did not get a lot of love. See, exactly. Sun Eater's episode was so good, though, like... Sun Eater's like, episode was incredible. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. We barely cared about him prior to this, you know? And then all of a sudden, he, like, he, he crushed it. He was awesome. Such, I mean, every single one-on-one fight was like a tearjerker in this one. Both of Kirishima's were incredible. Um, Sun Eater's was great. And I feel like everybody else, unfortunately, was just kind of like, you know, thrown into the mix because there were so many other characters. And you can't focus on absolutely everybody. But, yeah, they do have a timeline and a budget that they have to produce at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm confident, though, that, that these other characters are going to get the love that they deserve. So, moving on. Arc number two. Right? Um, the Student Festival. This, perhaps, is, I would say, the most divisive one. Because there were parts of this arc that I really, really liked. And then there were elements of this arc that I maybe wasn't such a fan of. Um, so the whole premise of this... So, and Tyler, would you agree? Yeah, I, I think I would agree. Um, I kind of feel like the villain that they threw in here, while it ended up being one of the better fights Deku has, it wasn't as memorable as his previous big fight. I mean, how do you follow that up, though, you know? Every, any villain that you throw in there would have been bad. Yeah, and well, a gentle. So the villain being gentle and La Brava, gentle was kind of an anime favorite. I remember or a manga favorite. A lot of my friends who read, read who read the manga. I've only read one arc in the manga, um, and it's the one we're going to discuss here in a bit. 
um, a lot of people were really hyped for Gentle. And I, I, I haven't asked anybody what their thoughts were on Gentle in the, in the anime, but I wasn't feeling him. Uh, you know, I also heard a lot of hype around the Gentle arc and people were telling me like, you know, Deku has a really difficult time finding him. I thought he was entertaining. I thought the way he uses his quirk is, is interesting, but he's not the kind of villain that we've been almost uh, trained to see in this show. You know, because so far every villain has been willing to kill people, mm-hmm. whereas Gentle just seems almost like he should be hosting his own reality show. Yeah, and I like that element of Gentle. I think with Gentle, my issue with Gentle is kind of like my issue with Loki. Um, at least where the way Loki's portrayed in the MCU. Um, Gentle, to me, is just all in all, yes, Deku had a very difficult time fighting him, but he was taken care of too easily to warrant him being the primary villain in this arc. You know, I mean, and maybe that was to make it fo- make him folk make it folk the focus really be that student festival. But gentle to me, I think he was a cooler character than he was a villain. I like gentle as a concept, but to me, to get like a full on arc with gentle, it felt like I was missing something. Yeah, I felt like there could have been more destruction or. Um... Or at least an I'll be back, you know? Yeah, like make him get away from the cops. And then, you know, and then bring it back. Obviously, we have to, to a degree, stick to the manga, which is already kind of like planned out. But, you know, I mean, things change. And I just feel like Gentle was, especially, and again, this is just my Western brain talking. The relationship with, to, between Gentle and La Brava, pretty weird. Um, and maybe that was the point. I mean, it was the point because Gentle's weird, La Brava's weird, and the way that she interacts with Gentle is in t- and is uh, indicative of her quirk. I think there was uh, a lot more upside to Gentle than they showed. Yeah, I it think was, they could have fleshed out his character much more. Yeah, there just wasn't enough to flesh out Gentle to make him. He never seemed like it was a threat. Yeah, you know, and I think that might have come down to the timing frame issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. You want to get these episodes out. This is some stuff gets cut. Some stuff doesn't get the better scripts. And if I'm going to focus on one particular part of the season, I'm going to focus on that first arc with Shisuke. Yeah, that's hard to follow, man. Yeah, they really just set set it up to to follow up with nothing. Yeah, and again, maybe like if the gentle arc were like isolated in and of itself, and it wasn't following Shisuke, then maybe I would feel very differently. But there was a fantastic portion of this arc, which was the actual student festival. And so, Tyler, what did you like about that portion of it? So getting, so let's say like we're, we're, getting, we're getting away from Gentle now. We're focusing on the actual construction and the presentation of Class 1A set during the student festival for UA. So... <laughs> My favorite thing with anybody who's listening, uh, my favorite character is Bakugo. I think he's just such a charismatic piece of work. You can't help but love him. That ham on drums and just during the entire set, seeing him on drums angry just really really (laughs) we're going to to kill them with our sound yeah man that that was just so much fun and then the actual presentation was great yeah so i think that what was really really great is every now and again especially when these characters get away from each other you know like in this in this in the season we already saw class 1a kind of split up bakugo and bakugo and todoroki oh man we should discuss that a little bit that oh yeah that was a mini arc yeah that was a mini arc there were four parts to this weren't there damn we forgot we forgot oh my gosh such as the bearded and nerdy podcast we'll backtrack we'll backtrack well well to my point bakugo and todoroki had their own thing going on um obviously kiri um kiri deku lamillion and company had their own thing going on so we 
we're beginning not to lose sight, but we, uh, we didn't get to focus much on that group dynamic with Class 1A. And this arc really brought it back. It's kind of like the Konoha, like, what's it, 11 of them? Um, it's kind of like that group of, um, you know, it's like, it's like our band of ninjas, like the Konoha crew, um, where we love that group dynamic. That arc when we're going after Sasuke is a really great arc because we get to see how they all interact with each other. And I feel like this was that way. Like, what's it like when Jiro talks to Bakugo? Right? Yeah, you get to see some interactions that you maybe didn't see in the past, even though you know that they all know each other. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. since they live together. Yes. Yeah, so it's, it's really interesting. And I love seeing that dynamic. And it was just, I think that there was a really, really great buildup, like on how... One, it shows the relationship between Class 1A and the rest of the school because that's a big deal. You know, obviously, not it's the hero program is not the only thing that's going on at Class 1A or UA, you know? Um, yeah, even though it feels like that's all the world surrounds it. And, well, that's, uh, that's the thing, right? That's the whole point. We feel like that the whole world surrounds it. And that's how the other students kind of feel. So there's this sense of... A little bit of contempt towards class 1a because they get so much attention so now we're starting to see them win over the entire school and boy did they jiro has a beautiful singing voice let's just put it out there yeah yeah oh, i was talking with my buddy and like so the they got like an american pop singer to be jiro's singing voice really yeah that's jiro uh, yeah so like so they 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 it wasn't just like a song they picked, they picked a person to be Jiro. I actually like that a lot. I didn't know that. Yeah. And you, and people always, and I was talking with uh, my buddy Colton and we were saying, and he was like, you know, people were asking why, why is she singing in English if this is a Japanese show? Well, for the same reason that like, in all, all Might shouts United States of Smash, it just sounds cool. <laughs> you know, if, if if you're if you're you know Japanese, hearing something to shout it in English, you know, is pretty bitchin'. Such as you know, if you're watching something in you know English, having somebody shout something in a foreign language sounds pretty cool. So you take note of that. Yeah. So that was kind of like the point, and I really liked that. And the very end of the arc was, I think truly and to a degree i think it was it, it could have been because this is how my hero works they end the season and then they give you two episodes to set up the next one and i feel like this was a perfect cap to the season you know at the very end we finally got to see aries smile Oh, it breaks it doesn't break our it melts your heart it oh i i could not I, I, I cried man tears. It was... Well, because she had such a fast growth. Because she, she does go from an abused child to being told, hey, listen, you're safe here. You can, you can let down your walls and you can have fun here. Mm-hmm. And for her to only recognize Lemillion and Deku... Well, she also recognized Night Eye, but you know, I don't want to open that box of tears again. Oh, God. <laughs> I'd rather not have an emotional breakdown. Yeah. Uh, to yeah, see there's... her go from just a monotone little girl to having just the biggest smile is so much, it's so good. So much person, because we were rooting for Aerie, you know? We were rooting to make sure that Aerie was able to, uh, we wanted, at the, the, we were not good, the audience was not going to be happy until Aerie was, because that was the whole mission. That was Lemillion and Deku's mission. We have to see Aerie smile. Aerie has to learn how to be a kid. And we did that. The mission was fulfilled. And that's what made it so incredible. So let's backtrack a little bit because we did forget about this. This is not in our notes. So we we have we have we apologize. Know, we apologize for this. Bakugo and Todoroki had a pretty interesting little bit there. So for anybody who is not fully caught up. Uh, Bakugo and Todoroki were the only people from class 1A to not get their uh, uh, hero license. It's like, a, it's like it's a hero license, but it's only under extreme circumstances. But they didn't get it, so they can't use their quirks outside in public. 
So they were in a situation where they were put in front of like a bunch of like little kids and they had to tame them. I think that was a thing. They had to just like make sure that the kids were well behaved, which proved to be very difficult, especially um, what I thought was really cool about this arc was because it kind of shows how these quirks develop. Right? Yeah, it was... You get to see what's going on with the next generation coming up, which was scary because the next generation's a lot like Bakugo. Yeah, yeah, they were all super upset. Like, they were all, like, super, like, they were just, like, really crazy, just, like, you know, little kids. And the one thing that was really cool about it was it was explained... I forget by who. I think it was Aizawa who was saying, like, as the superhero generation, you know, gets older, as quirks begin to get passed down from person to person, people with certain quirks are obviously having children with people with other quirks. And as such, you're getting this weird hybrid of quirks and quirks that are getting more and more powerful. So each generation essentially gets stronger than the last. And... It created so that was like an interesting like little backstory. That was a little a really interesting explanation to see how these quirks develop because to a degree it's still a mystery to us how they began and how they continue to progress. Um, and in the meantime, the little subplot of those couple episodes, we had an excellent setup for um, the final arc. Right, so my man. Endeavor sits down with All Might and has a pretty interesting conversation. Yeah, you know, it's the first time where we actually see Endeavor almost take a breath and just ask straight up, how do I do what you just did? Yeah. Like, it's a very earnest, he's having, he's on the edge of having this, like, almost like a, a emotional state, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Well, and you don't really see that from the number two hero that often. No, well, Endeavor's whole thing is that he's very callous and he's, um, he's on this, he's Vegeta, you know, he's on this eternal quest for power and he's willing to do anything that he can to get that power. And when he saw All Might fight one or all for one, he learned that that's not everything, you know? In his words alone, stand up and show them why you're better. He learned that power isn't everything. He learned that All Might was a symbol, and Endeavor was wanting to know how to be that symbol. And it shows our very first inklings of progression in that character. A character that, all in all, I mean, obviously, there are tons of irredeemable characters in this show that are like villains, you know, characters like Stain, like Shisaki, like Shigaraki. Um, Endeavor. I mean, by and large, abused his children and his wife and put her in a home. That's pretty yeah. That's pretty hard to redeem. If you were just to look at Endeavor on, like, a piece of paper and someone just slid it to you and said, all right, read this and put him in a category, villain or hero, I think most people would put him in the villain category. Yeah, so this is... And we begin to see, like, little inklings. I think that they, they uh, did a good job, especially during that, like, those Nomu fights, like the, the ones in, the, in uh, I think, that was season three. Yeah. Um, when he was, like... His mission, he's still a hero, and we learned that. You know, he's not just Fire Lord Ozai. He's a hero. He's, he's got it out for the people, but his quest for strength sometimes overshadows his quest to be the number one hero. And obviously, that's not everything. And you have a really excellent little moment between Todoroki and Endeavor uh, at the end of that little arc, I think, when Endeavor is vulnerable for the first time. Their dynamic is, is, is just so interesting to me, man, because it's, it, like you said, he abused Todoroki. He abused his mother. So it's not the oh, you're just a kid and you're rebelling like Endeavor thought. Now you're seeing the father who understands, okay, listen, I get it. This is what I did. And he, he really just, you feel like he's making a stride to try to fix something with his son. Yeah. Endeavor's mission was to, again, I, I feel it's difficult for me to just sit here and be like, oh, yeah, you know, Endeavor always had the best of intentions. I feel, and I, I to a degree, I feel like he did. He wanted 
Todoroki to be the strongest he could ever be. And he wanted to be the number one hero. And the means through which he did that were obviously not good. They weren't kosher, but we didn't really, but he wasn't, he didn't know that, you know, he was blinded by his quest for power. And now it's after watching Todoroki and talking to All Might, he's kind of got this sobered view as to what he's been. And now he kind of realized that being the number one hero isn't all that's cracked up to be because he saw All Might perform what is true, the, 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 the hallmark, the hallmark like action of a number one hero is to put everything on the line to save everyone. And Endeavor realized, oh man, that's on my plate now because I'm the number one hero. And that's a very sobering um, observation to make, I think. Yeah, you know, it, and of course we as viewers, we can sit back and rewatch it and and think about it more, but I think in the moment uh, he's watching that fight, it's such a powerful scene to hear him say, go show everybody why you're better than me, even when he sees that uh, All Might's in that weakened state. He knows that, like, listen, even if I were to jump in and help, I would still be in your way. Yeah, exactly. Like He accepts it. He's like, listen, you're the guy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Endeavor's the guy. And we get to see a little of Endeavor becoming the guy in those last two episodes. So let's discuss my favorite two episodes in this entire season. <laughs> I, th- you know what? This might be the best two-episode arc of any anime. I was floored. Because, here, okay. So I'm an Endeavor guy because I was always anticipating that redemption, you know? I, I wasn't obviously drawn to his, his design. The character design for Endeavor was just baller, you know? At the, he's, such, he's so compelling to look at, and he's such an interesting person to watch fight. And we get to see Endeavor graduate. He's the number one hero now. And in addition to that, before we get into our man Endeavor, we get introduced to some other characters that will probably be making an appearance in season five because, you know, obviously this was this is exactly how it was in, in season in season three. We get introduced to a bunch of characters that are gonna be a that are gonna play a big role in the next season. So we get Hawks, who my I, personal favorite I uh, love Hawks entrant. Yeah, Hawks Bakugo's my boy, but Hawks' design is, might be my all-time favorite. Oh geez, and he's so cool. He's, so, he's just he's just so cool. <laughs> he's awesome. I love um Hawks. I just love that he because he's younger, you know, and Hawks is our age, he's 22. Um yeah. he's coming in, obviously being this prodigy, and he's like this whole model of the hero hierarchy is so dated, you know. He kind of like he could be the number one hero with how with like just like his ability to save people like on a daily basis. Like I remember when Endeavor and Hawks were just walking and there were all these things that would require real hero intervention and Hawks was just like saving them without even looking. And Endeavor was like, whoa, is this what kids are doing now? It's like watching a, it's like watching a grown adult look at TikTok for the first time. It's like, wait, is that how this is now? Is this how we're doing things? <laughs> but you know what? It's, it's again, it's that... Um... It's just that that idea that the next generation is just getting stronger than the last. Mm-hmm. And then we get and and though there was a very I would say we this wasn't the most impactful introduction, but it was a strong one, and it was strongly indicative of this character's um, probably this character's importance in seasons to come is our number five. Oh which, man, Bunny it, Girl. Yes, but what's her name? Is it Maruko? Uh, Mirko, I think. Here, let me look it up. I'm looking it up right now. Hold on. Uh, M-I-R-K-O. Mirko. Mirko. Cool. Awesome. We do research here. Um, yeah. We fact check. <laughs> we fact check. Exactly that. Um, so she had a very strong presence. Like, you know, again, you know, it's not like she, in, in, in these two episodes, it's not like she played a massive part, but 
you definitely saw that she was going to be a a strong contender in the a strong like contender in these next couple seasons. She's very callous, you know. She's pretty arrogant, but she all but she deserves it, you know. Can we also talk about my boy Kamui Woods breaking the top ten? <laughs> yes, Kamui Woods <laughs> from day one of the anime. This man has been climbing the charts. Yeah, this guy rocks. You know, super, super important in saving Bakugo in season three. Super, super, uh, and obviously, like, a very effective quirk. Um, so it's great to see him, and it's great. It's going to be awesome seeing him in the future. And I yep. love, I love the, 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 um, I love seeing how these, he, the hero charts are created. I love that it looks like the NBA draft. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Kamui Woods is also a pretty young guy too. I think he's like twenty-seven. Really? Yeah. When the when the listing comes out, he's, let me check. Yeah, he's twenty-seven when that list comes out. Huh. Uh. So How you gotta love Mirko? these young. Mirko. Yeah. Uh. Let's see. Uh, twenty-six. So you have a lot of these younger heroes mm-hmm. climbing the ranks super fast. Yeah. And Endeavor's just the lone veteran just going, all right, everyone needs to calm down. Yeah, Endeavor was, 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 was number two when he was 20, though. Hawks was number three. Yeah, like, exactly, which is really, really great, is that, like, yeah, like, Endeavor's been, been on the charts for a very long time, though. Yeah, <laughs> like, he, he's tenured. Yeah, Endeavor's been there for a really long time. And Endeavor gave me what is perhaps my favorite Endeavor quote, my, probably my favorite quote, a quote I'm going to carry with me for the longest time because it shows that it works. Because you, when, when Hawks is talking to Endeavor about how he feels that like the whole hero system is a little, not problematic, but like, you know, it's, there's, it's, it's, there's some smoke and mirrors behind like the, the, the hero charts, right? Yeah. And, and, you forget that sometimes it's just about will. You know, it's just about your ability to outlast everybody else by your own sheer, the sheer like strength of your will. So when Endeavor says, just watch me, I was like, oh, damn. Because he knew that he has a lot to prove. He's following All Might. He's already proven to be kind of a controversial character, you know. Everybody knows that Endeavor is pretty callous. Everybody knows that Endeavor is pretty, you know, um, he's not number one hero material personality-wise because people are, like, running away from him. Nobody wants to sign, Endeavor to sign autographs. And poor guy tries. <laughs> you know, a lot of people tried. <laughs> yeah. He's just a scary intimidating. He doesn't smile. But I love that. Yeah. So when Endeavor says, just watch me, you even begin to question, you're like, is that enough, though? And then it was, because that fight is the most, oh, oh my Lord, my, easily my favorite fight in this entire show and probably my favorite episode in My Hero Academia. You go ahead and you go off. I know this is your, your boy. The season four finale is going to always crack my top five episodes in anime. Because it shows it's everything that I knew this character could be turned out to be that way. Endeavor, purely by the strength of his own will, was able to overpower, you know, overpower the new Nomu, you know. What was his name? Uh, let me look. Keep going while I find, yeah. while I find like, this out. Like, Endeavor is, um, I believe that's actually, it's listed in the manga, but they don't really give him a name in the... The high end. Oh, high end. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Endeavor, when Endeavor fights him, you, this, this episode is just a wheel of emotion. It's just this constant, like, is Endeavor going down? Are they going to kill Endeavor? But then they don't, because prominence burn was the single greatest thing. And then at the very end of the fight, right? Endeavor's got one fist in the air, and you're like, oh shit, he's all might. You know, he's this is <laughs> he's done it. This is what number one heroes need to do. You know, he puts everything on the line. Endeavor is humbled by all this, but he never gives up. 
And everybody wanted Endeavor to give up because I think that in the back of their minds, you know, they're like, Endeavor is not all might. You need to back out of this. But he wasn't willing to do that. He was pure. He has been number two hero since he was 20 years old. He's been training for this moment. And God damn, did he deliver. You know what? That's the weird thing to me is I don't understand why people were doubting him so hard. It's like, yeah, you know what? He's been the number two hero for so long. But that's also impressive. He's been the number two hero for that long, only bested by the greatest hero of all time. Yeah. And then there was the moment when, when, when Todoroki truly accepts his father. <laughs> there- oh, oh, dude. I cannot wait because I have read further into the manga. I know what's upcoming. You're going to love it. Oh, Jesus. You're oh, going to get so more good. of Endeavor. And it, it's everything you would ever want. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I think that like what's so great is like when when one of my favorite moments is like obviously when when um you know how in All Might versus um All for One everybody was cheering for All Might, Bakugo and Deku were screaming for All Might to hear Todoroki scream for his dad. Oh yeah, because you know it, it means a lot more, mm-hmm. especially with all their history. If yeah. he's screaming for his dad, it, it is legit. And oh my god, I just remember the one the reaction that All Might had when Endeavor is on the television with his fist up in the air, and <laughs> All Might's like, "Oh my god, he did it! I can't believe he did it!" You know, it was like we were all shocked, and I think that this proves Endeavor is worthy of being the number one hero. He is the number one hero. Absolutely, man. I'm excited to see where the show goes from here. Absolutely. So to wrap things up, um, we're going to go ahead. Um, I, we, I think we both kind of already listed our favorite moments in this show. My favorite moment in the season, easily, Prominence Burn. The, the, the moment Endeavor stood tall and said, I'm the new number one hero, and this is how things are. What a good finishing move for the video game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly um, my, my favorite moment of the show, you know, easily deku versus overhaul you know, oh that, i mean how can you not that that fight just gives you all the shivers mm-hmm. oh it's absolutely beautiful and um yeah it, i mean two strong strong moments two highlights i would say if you got highlights of the show airy smile deku beats overhaul endeavor beats high end you know you would know? you consider do you consider deaths as a highlight of the episode because it invokes such an emotional reaction because if we do uh losing night eye night eye needs to be up there yeah talk about great anime deaths yeah well we got the full gamut with night eye we were introduced to night eye we became attached to night eye then we lost night eye and it felt so like you expected that reaction if all might were to die yeah not was the psychic we just got introduced to Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, not, that was such a great... And Night Eye was such a cool character, you know? Because, well, one, it showed... Night Eye's presence was indirectly kind of proved that nothing is set in stone and that Deku it was able to... was able to defy Night Eye's prediction. And that gives us some hope that perhaps All Might will as well. Yeah. <sighs> It just gives you so many more layers to this show that I think everybody's going to start appreciating. Mm-hmm. Season four, I think, was what truly took this show to the next level. And I do not, I cannot be even be, I don't even know where to put my expectations for season five. Just hang in there and enjoy the ride. That's what I always say. Yep. I mean, exactly. I don't see that. I don't see them messing up yet, you know? So let's go ahead. Let's do this. I always give. Um, shows and movies, a bearded and nerdy ranking, as you know, Tyler, you've been listening to this show. Yes, I have. So, out of a, a ranking out of 10, where do you put season four of My Hero Academia? I would give it a nine out of 10. I was going to say the same thing. I think it's a nine, nine out of 10. I think that there are just so many pluses that, like, the, 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 flight, the slight, like, downfalls of slight things like even the things i didn't like as much i didn't hate yeah i think there was only a couple things where i could i could look at it and go ah you know i, I could have done without it episode, but i'm not you know yeah i'm not i'm not hating it but I, it, it's only worth the one watch yeah exactly that i however have watched high end versus endeavor multiple times now 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you want. You want people to go back. Yes, exactly. I mean, we want to go back to those big fights. We want to go back to Madara versus the Allied Shinobi Alliance. We want to go back to Endeavor versus High End. We want to go back to Pain versus Naruto and Bakugo um, versus Deku Two. Yeah. It, oh shit. Yeah. And um, like it was things- just there was two fights in the season where, and this is what I always call the grabber fight, where mm-hmm. you could say, "Hey, go watch this fight." And then you'll understand why I want you to watch this anime. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I exactly. It's dude. It's it's awesome. So nine out of ten seems like a really good one for me. All I think right, it's a solid placement. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that seems like a really good place to wrap up this episode of the Bearded and Nerdy Podcast. Here's hoping that the audio comes through okay and that we can actually release this. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, thank you so much for having me on today, man. Oh, oh my gosh. No problem, Tyler. I'm looking forward to having you again on another remote episode of the Bearded and Nerdy podcast, perhaps when Demon Slayer Season 2 starts rolling around. Oh, don't even get me started. (laughs) Uh, We'll save that for the next time. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll uh, see you next time. Peace. Bye. (laughs) 